Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to our weekly edition of 52 Players. Frank McKay here with wonderful Sheriff Errol Toulon, and he is uh, Suffolk County Sheriff, and he is uh, is finishing up his first term, and he's up for re-election this time. So we'll be speaking to him again later in the year. But someone who has uh, broken ground in his uh, in in his life throughout his life, and just uh, what what a career and what a uh, what a term he's had, and still going on, and a, a lot to look forward to in the future. Sheriff Errol Toulon, how are you? I'm doing great, Frank. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, I'm thrilled to have you. And uh, let me ask you right out, I mean, how much different is the job than what you would have expected it to be from the from the start? I mean, obviously, you've been around law enforcement your whole life, and, you know, you've had all different types of experience. But it, it is different once you get there, I'm sure. Yes, you know, uh, coming from Rikers Island, where I worked for uh, 25 years of my professional career, you know, it is a huge challenge. I'll, I'll give you one. One, we had you know, almost 25,000 inmates at one point during my tenure on Rikers Island. But I think the biggest thing that I appreciate here in Suffolk County is that I have a direct impact on the residents of Suffolk County, where I've lived for almost uh, over 30 years now. And so, uh, you know, the interaction with staff, uh, employees that work in the sheriff's office, and even those that, you know, uh, were once housed in our facilities who are now returned back to our communities is something which I, re- which I really appreciate because, you know, that direct impact, that direct interaction with those individuals is something that I really relish as opposed to my tenure when I worked on Rikers Island. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a much, a much different world, but the fact that you know it from that end and you know it from kind of the ground floor uh, probably makes uh, makes uh, the transition uh, so much easier. But uh, l- listen, just a, a congratulations to you. Uh, uh, just a, a wonderful four years. As you look back on four years, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard about quite a bit, and it's the START Resource Center, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know all that much about it, but it's basically transitioning folks from jail uh, to the community. And that's that's a big deal because, I mean, if you don't handle that properly, you know, as an individual coming out of out of the system, coming out of the jail system, if you don't handle that system uh, well or, or that transition well, you're going to end right back up in, uh, in jail. And, uh, and that's something that's uh, it's no good for the taxpayers. It's no good for the individual. Tell us a little bit about START. Sure. So we were looking at there. There is no direct handoff in most jurisdictions, where jails, where individuals are leaving, uh, I should say, are being released from jail back into the community, you know, for the services that are provided in those specific communities. So if we look at Suffolk County, our our facilities are housed in Riverhead and Yapank, and many individuals are going throughout all the towns from uh, Suffolk County, and those individuals leaving our jails do not know. The, or had the access to the resources in those various communities. So what we did was we um, assigned some correction staff to work directly with those, uh, those community uh, partners so that these individuals know where the resources are. And when you look at it from a public safety standpoint, if we have individuals that are able to find housing, uh, know where transportation is, where there might be some employment, it's better for a public safety standpoint than these individuals going back to the life that they led that caused them to be incarcerated. And so our, our staff are really looking at all the different aspects 
that can affect someone that comes into our facility, mental health, sub- substance abuse, um, you know, issues with their, their families, so that we can help, help them address them and hopefully be productive members of society. How much different is this than how you started out and when you started out as a correction officer and, uh, it, you know, the programs that may have been in place or, or were talked about being in place? I'm, I'm sure it's night and day compared to 30 years ago. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I started in 1982, we didn't have the technology nor the training that we have. And we never even housed anyone uh, with uh, mental health issues. We didn't even classify them. You know, if they were uh, deemed the Article 730 by the courts, you know, then that's when we placed them in some sort of uh, restrictive housing. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just a total different uh, mindset. Um, I think with mental health, substance abuse, we're looking to try and help those individuals. You know, here in the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, we're actually looking to see what is causing individuals to commit crimes. And we've created a program called Deconstructing the School uh, School of Prison Pipeline so that we can help um, those young men or young women who are faced in, with socioeconomic challenges. They see domestic violence in the home, there's substance abuse, mental health issues. And so we don't want them to lead down that path uh, to, to come to Riverhead or Yapank, you know, what could we do to stem that tide? And working with school districts is something that, you know, correctional agencies never really did in the past. So, you know, we're really trying to take a community approach to what we're doing so that not only is our community involved, but they have some say in helping us treat these individuals that are incarcerated. Errol Toulon is the voice that you're hearing, and he's the sheriff of Suffolk County. And uh, for those listening outside of our area, I mean, Suffolk County is a pretty big area, 1.3 million at least in, uh, in Suffolk County, and uh, it's larger than many states and so forth. So it's a, it's a big job. Sheriff Errol Toulon is one of our 52 players. Frank McKay here with the sheriff. Let me ask you about human trafficking. And it, w- when people hear the, the term human trafficking, they think about, you know, maybe the Philippines or they think about, you know, Asia or, or some far off place. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is uh, it's a tremendous problem in many places. Suffolk County is no different. No, it really isn't. I, w- I had a meeting with our federal partners uh, regarding the gang-related issues here in Suffolk County, and ironically, they said to me that they're more concerned about human trafficking than they are about um, gangs. And so we started to look at the type of inmates that we had housed here, and a majority of our female population have been victims of human trafficking. So we created the first human trafficking unit in a jail in the country where we not only address the issues, but identify those females that have been trafficked, who are the individuals that are trafficking them, and then work with our, our local partners, our police department and district attorney's office, and going out and getting those individuals who are trafficking them. And so we have a sergeant and a correction officer, they're both investigators, that interview every female uh, that comes into our system. At times, many of them do not recognize that they're victims of human trafficking. Uh, they may be under some sort of uh, substance abuse. Uh, under that influence, and so it may take a few days or even sometimes weeks after interviewing them and finding out what is going on in their lives. And then we start to try and help them. We have two really good partners in ECLI, Empowerment Collaborative along Long Island, and also uh, New Hour for Women and Children that really work with us to work with these women and hopefully uh, change their lives and get them out of this, this, uh, this issue that they've been confronted with.
you know, you've you've done such great work on it, and and from what I understand, you have a national award coming to you, or that you just received it. What, what's that award? Do I have that right? Yes. Yes, we were recognized by the National Sheriff's Association for our work with human trafficking and for this this particular unit. So we're extremely proud because, like I said, I felt like we were groundbreaking uh, on this issue from a jail perspective. And to be recognized by a national organization, especially the National Sheriff's uh, Association, is something that I'm extremely proud of. And, you know, I'm more proud of my staff, the way they've um, embraced this concept and looked into these issues and the, the diligence that they put into work every single day to try and assist these women. You you mentioned that sometimes the victims themselves do not know uh, that uh, that they fall into that category, and it makes an awful lot of sense. I you know it's uh, it is an old expression. It's easier to see a fly on someone else than it is on yourself. And when you when you talk to these individuals, these women, right, I mean, they, they may have no idea that they fall into that category because they know one individual, they, you know, their, their pimp or their, uh, you know, their trafficker. They're not, you know, they're not looking at them from a technical standpoint. They're looking at them from the person that may maybe have gotten them addicted to drugs or that, that have fed that, uh, uh, someone who has fed that addiction or someone that gives them protection, let's say, or maybe even, you know, in, in, uh, in these you know sad situations uh, maybe they look at him as a father figure or a bigger big brother figure even though this might be the most evil person in the world and they're just subject to them but uh, how much of that is true that they they really don't know what's going on because they're they're living it you're 100 percent correct and one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't realize that you know when i speak about our human trafficking unit is that many of these women have started they were they've been trafficked since they're 12 13 years of age unfortunately and by the time they get to us you know they're 18 years of age because we don't house anyone here under the age of 18 and so it's been many years of being part of the system of of an individual you know a woman feeling or a young girl feeling like they're they're loved by an individual and they're given drugs and now the trafficker is going to say well you know i want money for my drugs and you know these poor victims didn't think that there was any any uh, any type of repayment, you know, for the drugs. And now all of a sudden, the only way for them to repay is being forced to sell themselves tragically. And so, you know, it goes on for many years, and now they're here with us, and we're trying to break something that has occurred for four, five, six, seven years in their lives. If you're just joining us or if you're just turning on your radio a little late, Frank McKay here with Sheriff Errol Toulon of Suffolk County and uh, thrilled to have the sheriff with us. L- let me ask you, Sheriff, um, it, we, you know, we talk about substance abuse and, and human trafficking. And uh, as we as we do that, uh, it, you know, you talk about the uh, the substance abuse as uh, as being so so prominent in, in the jails. Do you have any statistics or are there any national statistics or local statistics that would uh, that would give you an indication of how many of your inmates uh, are suffering from drug abuse? You know, 60 to 65 percent of the inmate population are suffering from, uh, you know, some sort of substance abuse, whether it's recreational use or whether it's the, the hardcore use where they are um, injecting themselves with some type of drug. And so, you know, unfortunately, um, that leads when they can't afford um, to buy these drugs, how are they going to sustain themselves? You know, they're going to have to commit a crime, whether it's a petty crime or whether it's a big crime. Unfortunately, they're, they're crimes against society. And um, 
there are no there aren't enough uh, mental health or substance abuse uh, counseling uh, facilities throughout entire you know New York State that's going to assist them, and so unfortunately uh, jails are now the biggest uh, service provider for those with mental health and substance abuse problems. You know when you when you get a an inmate. And, and they're addicted to, to heroin. Is the, is the first uh, order of business to, to get them into some kind of rehab program? And is it, uh, it you know, I mean, it sounds like an, like, like an obvious question, but uh, it, it, it may not be, right? With, uh, uh, is, is that the first thing that you do when you, uh, when you come across somebody who's addicted to, say, heroin? Right. So, you know, we, it would, from a layperson, which I am when it comes to uh, that type of treatment, so our inmates are seen by medical staff. So they're seen by our doctors, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, who will then determine what type of medical treatment they would need as far as um, suboxone or anything else to continue or wean them off of a particular drug. And also the counseling and the um, psychologist or uh, psychiatrist that may uh, be needed to assist them in uh, their drug, you know, their drug treatment. And so the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office does not directly deal with them. If we see someone suffering, we would make those recommendations to our medical staff that a person should be seen, and then they're seen, and then that medical determination is done by them. Is there anything either positive or negative that uh, that has surprised you over these uh, this first term? The, the you know the, what's starting to to, to come to a four year um, head here. Uh, is there anything that uh, threw you for a loop or surprised you about the job? You know, I, I think the way some of the things that were done here in the sheriff's office, um, you know, kind of taken me aback. But I, I do think that. Many of the men and women, you know, I'll give you an example, uh, training. You know, there wasn't a high focus on training of our staff or the technology. And so that was one of the things that I, I felt like I can't hold um, the, staff, the line staff or the supervisory staff accountable if they haven't been trained most recently or trained appropriately in the, in the most modern uh, technologies and most modern uh, experiences that are out there. And so what we've tried to do over the last few years is really enhance and increase the training so our staff are better prepared to do their jobs. We have less incidents with staff such as uh, de-escalation or crisis intervention training or now, you know, fair and impartial policing. You know, the type of things that really bring them up into the 21st century when it comes to training. And, you know, you have a better trained workforce. They feel more confident in coming to work, doing their job, interacting. And, you know, the supervisors, we hold them strictly accountable for the jobs to make sure that those that, they're, uh, that are working under them are, are doing their jobs and doing it in a responsible manner. Suffolk County is a unique area in the sense that we have, uh, you know, obviously suburbia all over the place, and then we have some, you know, hard-hit, high-crime areas, and, and we have farmland, and we have different, you know, we have the Hamptons, you know, and in fact, the jail is not all that far from the Hamptons when it comes down to it. Because of that diversity that we have, uh, how much different is, is this job than, let's say, if you were just in an urban setting uh, or, uh, you know, or, or maybe just in a rural setting? Uh, it, it seems to me that it would be more complicated. You know, it is, especially when you start to speak to constituents regarding the different issues that they're faced with. You know, when you're looking at New York City, everybody's on top of each other, and it's generally the same themes. But here in Suffolk County, you know, one one area could be gang plague. Another one can be um, 
you know, infused with, with drugs. And, you know, another one, you know, one thing that was common, because when I started the job, my goal was to get into one to two schools per week uh, to visit students, which I was able to do up until COVID. And the common theme was gangs, uh, op- you know, uh, drugs, um, uh, vaping, which was the common theme throughout every school district I went to. When I talked to students, vaping was a big issue. So, you know, when you, you know, you find a common theme amongst everyone, and then you look at these individualized pockets in the different areas throughout the county to see what is exactly going on and how can you help that community address those issues. Yeah, it's again, to me, it looks complicated, even when I speak to other sheriffs around the uh, around the state and you know we got 62 counties 62 cities 932 towns in the state and uh, when whenever I, I bring up your name to other sheriffs they say wow it, it's uh, you know I don't know if they say use the word complicated but that's difficult because of the uh, how diverse Suffolk County is uh, it's it's even uh, you know different than Nassau Nassau's were kind of more scrunched together which by the way uh, creates complications all its own I mean people are completely on top of each other and they don't have the space that uh, that's say we do but uh, no i mean suffolk county to me uh, seems complicated and uh and to so many other people around the state who do the same job frank mckay here with someone who does his job very well and he's one of our 52 players i'm proud to call him a friend sheriff errol toulon is our very special guest and uh it just absolutely thrilled to have him uh sheriff if you don't mind let's uh, let's do a little bit of your history and i we've had you before and we've done your history before so bear with me i assume a lot of folks that are uh, that are just hearing you for the first time uh probably like to hear a little bit about your upbringing and if you don't mind uh where did it all start for you where were you born where were you raised oh sure i was born in uh the bronx my father was uh retired as a warden on rikers island and my mother was a school secretary with the Board of Education, uh, went to all-boys Catholic high school. Uh, I'm proud to say in my junior and senior year, I was a bat boy uh, for the New York Yankees. Um, after graduating from high school, I went to a community college where I received my associate's degree uh, in June, turned 20 in July, and August of 1982 became a New York City correction officer following in my father's footsteps. And for 22 years, I had a great career I was in emergency service unit for 10 years uh, where I learned a lot. And then uh, on September 11th, I was uh, working as a captain at the New York City Police Range at the Firearms and Tactics Unit. And, um, you know, I had to leave because I had two battles with cancer. Uh, in 1996, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and 2003 was diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer. After I started to get better from pancreatic cancer, I need, knew I needed to do something with my life, so I went back to school and received my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, and then uh, eventually my doctorate in education because I thought I wanted to be a full-time faculty member teaching criminal justice. Uh, I was hired by County Executive Steve Ballone as his uh, assistant deputy county executive for public safety, and then two years later uh, was offered the, the dream job for me. Uh, as the Deputy Commissioner of Operations returning back to, uh, you know, New York City. But, you know, I did not see eye-to-eye with the uh, de Blasio administration. I was not going to lie about the violence and the numbers that were occurring uh, during my time at Rikers Island. And so in January of 2017, I was asked to uh, resign. Um, It was all heartbreaking and and difficult time. It was the first time in my life uh, since I was 14 years of age that I wasn't working and a very humbling experience and 
September of uh, let, me, let me tell you a quick story. Please. So in June of, of 2017, I was in a Wendy's, and there was a help wanted sign for a cashier, and I was seriously considering putting in for the position. And I, I often, and I wasn't ashamed, you know, even though I had a doctorate, I was a deputy commissioner of the third largest penal institution in in the country, behind L.A. and Chicago. Uh, I knew I needed to work and, and support my household, but it was very challenging. I, I went home, and I called my mother every day since I had cancer in 96, uh, just to say hello, even for 30 seconds. And I told her I was considering uh, applying for a cashier's job at Wendy's, and she said, you know what? Uh, she felt like something good was going to happen to me in the fall of 2017. And lo and behold, in the fall, I was asked to uh, run for sheriff. and. You know, as you know, on Election Day, I was ahead by 1,300 votes, entering that race only 53 days before Election Day. And then uh, in December, I was declared the winner after the over 25,000 absentee ballots were uh, uh, counted. Uh, I was declared the winner by 2,100 votes. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. I know the story, and I'm still blown away when I hear it. Uh, just uh, it, you know, and you, to be able to sum that up, uh, you talk, cancer surviving um, twice, uh, no less, and and uh, so much else in the, the Yankee bat boy, just unbelievable. Uh, we're taking a quick break here. Uh, we've got Sheriff Errol Toulon. You're listening to our weekly edition of Fifty Two Players. Frank McKay will be back right after this. I'd like to welcome everyone back. To our weekly edition of 52 Players, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Suffolk County Sheriff Errol Toulon is our very special guest. Errol Toulon is uh, is finishing his first term, and he's up for re-election this year. So uh, uh, for reasons of di- uh, full disclosure, I'm fully behind him, and I, I urge everyone to vote for him. And uh, again, Errol Toulon, uh, welcome back, Sheriff. Thank you very much, Frank. Well, we, we did a, a, a quick synopsis, and I'll tell you, it's amazing how quickly you can do that. When I when I uh, have to do my life story, and I've and, and it's so much less impressive than it, than yours is, and uh, oh. it, it takes me forever to get through uh, even the first part. But you're a cancer survivor. You're uh, the son of a correction officer, and and you followed in your dad's footsteps, and and to get to a position, you know, again, two-time cancer survivor, to be in a position where you have a doctorate and uh, in education and you're, you know, you're so experienced and, uh, and you were running Rikers Island, you walked away from the job basically because you just, you, you wouldn't lie. You wouldn't, you wouldn't misrepresent uh, the, uh, the situation that, that Mayor de Blasio, uh, fortunately the outgoing, uh, that's me saying it, it's not, uh, not the sheriff's, but fortunately uh, the outgoing mayor, of New York City uh, wanted you to lie, basically, and, and you, you couldn't do it. You stood up, and then you, you're faced in, in a situation, and you're looking at a uh, help wanted in Wendy's, and you're thinking about taking it, and, and thank God for your mom, um, you know, being there for you all, all that time, and to, uh, uh, it, you know, to have, what is it, 57 days or something, to, uh, to run a sheriff's race in Suffolk County and, and win it. It's just uh, it's just amazing. It's storybook, and uh, and it just starts here. So uh, again, listen, congratulations on all of that. Uh, let me ask you, where was the Wendy's? Do you mind saying? Sure, it was in St. James in Smithtown. Say, uh, man, yeah. it, you, you know, you ever go up to the you ever go up to the manager there and say, hey, I'm Sheriff Toulon. Guess what? I almost answered an ad for. I mean, he'd be blown away. I'm sure. 
Yeah, I, I guess when, if Wendy's, if the corporation ever found out, they, they may reach out to me. But no, I've, I've, <laughs> I uh, haven't gone back to say anything to anyone about that. Yeah, just. Uh, but you know, I, I guess I, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. But you know, I guess to, you know, it's it's to let people know that no matter, first of all, no matter how bad your life is, you know, there's always options, and there's nothing beneath anyone. Uh, no job that's beneath anyone to work. So, you know, regardless of uh, I was on the top of the world at New York City as as far as the, the correction world. And, you know, here I am now uh, employed, you know, unemployed. You know, I still would consider anything, um, you know, to, to make sure I can put food on the table for my family. Yeah, just amazing. Like I said, storybook, and uh, and, and the best is yet to come. I By the way, we should plug National Night Out. It, it's an event on Tuesday, August 3rd. And I, I listen. I know you're a big uh, hockey player, and uh, and you you still play. You play hockey uh, with the uh, law enforcement team. Uh, but what what can you tell us about National Night Out? Sure, National Night Out is an opportunity nationwide where law enforcement and community come together. And so we're going to have our, I believe it's our second uh, annual National Night Out because we just started when I had taken over in the sheriff's office. It's going to be in Fireman's Park enriched from five to eight and it's a great opportunity we're going to have uh, a guest new york ranger we're going to have um our sheriff vehicles sheriff employees uh we have a great partner in the town of uh, brookhaven uh supervisor romaine and councilwoman jane bonner have been uh fantastic in helping us put together so they're going to have the rich fire department there and we're going to have a lot of activities for the kids we'll be issuing out um anyone that wants a senior id card or child id card There'll be an ice cream truck. There'll be a, a law enforcement softball game. So overall, it's a great way for us to interact with our community and our community to interact with us. And that's August 3rd, everyone. It's, uh, it's a great event. I, I was there. I, I think Ron Duguay uh, was, uh, was one of the guests in the past and, you know, one of the most famous uh, flamboyant um, rangers of all time, uh, popular, you know, like uh, during the, the 70s and, uh, you know, in the 80s. And he had that, that look, and he was the Studio 54 guy. He was there. And then Tom Laidlaw, who was uh, another guy, and he was uh, a much different uh, type of guy, you know, more of a... Uh, 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 you know, a nose to the grindstone type guy, and, uh, and not flamboyant at all. And he was there. I, you know, you you always have great guests at these uh, at these national night outs, and you got to give it to uh, you, you. I got to I got to hand it to you. And they're just a lot of fun, and you can see the kids interacting with the law enforcement uh, folks, and and just uh, it, it's nice. I mean, if if this is uh, uh, if this is a template for uh, for what we can do in our communities, it's uh, certainly a good one. And August third with Sheriff. Er- Toulon is uh, is is when you guys could all come out and, and meet him. I now uh, just a quick quick note on that. Uh, how long is it? Is it is it a two hour event, three hour event? Uh, it's a three hour event. It's from five to eight o'clock uh, in Rich, and uh, we don't know who our guest uh, New York Ranger will be on that particular day yet. The Rangers haven't committed to who the person would be, but we do know we'll have a New York Ranger there. Uh, listen, uh, terrific, uh, great news. Listen, and as we're talking about, uh, as we're talking about sports, you know, I mentioned that you uh, you you still play hockey, and uh, you enjoy it with the law enforcement uh, folks and and so forth. But you were you mentioned that you were a Yankee bat boy, and I you know I know uh, you know I, I know some of the story, and it's it's absolutely amazing, and I, and I, I you know figure anybody out there who's a sports fan who. Uh, would uh, could imagine how coveted that is to get that job as a Yankee bat boy. I mean, uh, how did you get it in the first place? How did you end up being the Yankee bat boy? 
You know, it was strictly by chance. I saw an interview on Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Sal Marciano, who was a sportscaster back then, was interviewing Joe D'Ambrosio, who was a current Yankee bat boy. And I thought that would be a great job. So I wrote a letter in to the New York Yankees inquiring about the job. My parents, no one, no, or my brother knew I had written this letter. So I mailed a letter. And a few days later, I get this form letter back. Dear Mr. Toulon, you have to be 17 uh, years of age because back then the games were at 8 o'clock, not 7 o'clock like they are now. So uh, the gentleman didn't sign it, just said cordially, Pat Kelly. So that winter of 77 going into 1978, uh, we go over to my dad's best friend's house, and he was a retired New York City police officer, and he had three autographed baseballs. So I asked him, I said, Uncle Charlie, where did you get these baseballs from? And he said that his former partner in the Marine Bureau, because they were cops in the Marine Bureau, um, is now the stadium manager at Yankee Stadium. So I said, well, what's his name? And he said, Pat Kelly. And I said, well, that's the gentleman that sent me uh, replied to my inquiry about becoming a Yankee bat boy. So in 1978, uh, my uncle brought me to a baseball game where I met uh, Mr. Kelly, and in January of 79, I received an interview and uh, was hired. I, I'm just amazing, absolutely amazing, and uh, you know the, the confidence level for a, a young man uh, to, uh, to get that job and to be in a Yankee uniform on, on a championship team, right? What, what, did you say you took, it, uh, took the job in, in 78? No, 79. So they oh, won in 77 okay. and 78. In 79, Thurman Munson died. Right. And in, 80, right. in 1980, I was there also. We lost three straight to the Royals in the playoffs. Uh, George Brett in the three-run homer off of Goose Gossage in the seventh inning. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was a ball boy down the right field line that game. And I remember seeing that ball sail into the upper deck and thinking that my tenure as a Yankee bat boy, was now over. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that well. And But Thurman Munson, was that August 8th or August 10th, was it? Uh, I believe it was August 2nd of 1979. Oh, yeah, there we go, right. And yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I was uh, yeah heartbroken. I was, uh, I, I think I was uh, 11 years old. Or t- uh, yeah, 11 years old, and my brother and I heard it on the radio. We were like, wow, a plane crash. Uh, and he was learning to fly, learning to fly, um, uh, to uh, to get back home to Ohio, right? Was he right. from Cleveland or whatever? And and just uh, just a terrible situation. I, can you uh, can you remember the the day of the day that you heard that, and uh, the horrible tragic news that Thurman Munson had died? Yes, I was walking by Yankee Stadium because it was actually a day off, I believe. And um, that's you know when I heard it, and you know you don't realize the true impact you hear of someone dying, but. It wasn't until I got back into the clubhouse, when, because I believe the team was away, uh, that I really realized um, this this true impact of this icon. You know, Thurman was the captain, and he was the leader of the team, and you can see the, the way the, the dynamics in the clubhouse were back then, because, you, you know, Reggie was in the clubhouse, you had Thurman, you had Guidry, Bucky Dent, Goose Gossage, Catfish Hunter, uh, Willie Randolph, Bob Watts. I mean, it was just so many iconic Yankees. Yogi Berra was a coach and Billy Martin was the manager of the second half of that year because they had fired uh, Bob Lemon, who had started the season uh, as Yankee manager. And so, you know, with all those I- iconic Yankees and, um, oh, and also Bobby Mercer was traded back to the team a month before. Yeah. So, you know, you had Bobby Mercer back. Wow. And just watching, you know, these grown men cry and just the this emotional upheaval you know, in the locker room, and Mrs. Steinbrenner saying the day of the funeral, 
you know, if we get back, we get back. If we don't get back, we'll just forfeit the game to the Orioles. And that's the game that Bobby Mercer had the five RBIs to win the game. He had, you know, had a double, um, I think, in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And Bobby Mercer, I know, was uh, was devastated by the death of, uh, I mean, he talked about it after, uh, you know, afterwards. And, and, and I think it was all broken up in that interview when they were interviewing him. And uh, just amazing. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Sheriff Errol Toulon is our very special guest. You're listening to our weekly edition of 52 Players, reminding everybody uh, that on October 3rd, National Night Out, you can get to meet the sheriff and and uh, a ranger uh, personality, and uh, they always have a great ranger out there to uh, to to work with the kids and to you know to participate and just absolutely great. Sheriff Errol Toulon, uh, once again, is our very special guest. When uh, when you think about that and that whole situation, I, one of the things I always think of for whatever reason is Rick Cerrone, who I know he went on as an executive, you know, PR executive for the Yanks, and uh, you know, and a successful businessman. But he came in uh, to uh, you know, I guess you can't you can't even say Phil Thurman Munson's shoes, but he came in to replace. And and I always uh, I, I've always felt sympathy for uh, Rick Cerrone because uh, coming into that situation how was he treated when he got there I just uh, just curiosity do you remember how Rick uh, Saron was treated by the fans you know Rick was was loved especially by the women because he was a good-looking guy uh, he went on for the I think it was the um, Sassoon or 10 jeans yeah I think it was 10 jeans because he wore number 10 with the Yankees and so he was I guess our version of Lee Mazzelli uh, with the Mets because Lee Mazzelli was, you know, was uh, with the Mets a few years earlier. So um, they did embrace him, but unfortunately he never played the way they expected. You know, he's a good uh, catcher, I believe, with the Toronto Blue Jays before he came to us because I think that was a three-way trade where we got um, Bob Watson because I think Chris Chambliss uh, was traded away. But, you know, he never lived up to the expectations, and it was tough for anyone to, to fill in for Thurman Munson, you know, not only being – uh, the captain, but just that that persona of Yankee, of what a true Yankee is, and so you know, unfortunately, I think Rick only lasted a few years before, um, you know, he was traded from the team. But um, you know, that that first year was a little bit of a fanfare in 1980 for him because uh, you know the women loved him. There were certain players that um, you know women sought out more than uh, others, almost like Ron Duguay. Yeah, I, I was thinking that when when you said the Sassoon commercial because I, uh, Jordash, I think uh, the Rangers did the Jordash commercial, uh, well, one of those uh, Sergio Valente or something, and Ron Duguay right. was one of them. Yeah, the, it's uh, the, the sex symbols of, uh, of of the sports, and you mentioned Mazzilli and and you know Duguay and and Cerrone. Yeah, right. That's it, it certainly fits in there. Do, do you uh, do you remember any interactions with the, the boss George Steinbrenner? Yes, you know, I only had one interaction when Mr. Steinbrenner came into the clubhouse, and he was a very, very uh, pleasant man to us. Of course, you know, he was running his organization, and I could see, um, you know, especially my second year as a bat boy, more of the business and the professionalism of uh, the dedication that the players put into their craft. You know, it was an 8 o'clock game back then, and sometimes they're there at 12 or 1 o'clock taking infield, taking batting practice, because they knew if they didn't perform over several games, there was someone else across the locker room that would take 
you know, that could possibly take their job. And so my, you know, it was very limited interaction, but I do have a funny story for you Please. regarding another Steinbrenner. So, you know, a lot of times during the summertime, I would always get to the ballpark early, you know, maybe even noon just to help out the clubhouse men. And there's this one occasion where I'm sitting in the players lounge, it's on the leather couch, and I'm watching TV and this kid comes in and he sits next to me and he's about nine or ten years old and i'm thinking to myself it's one of the player's sons and so he looks at me and he elbows me with this mischievous grin you know and i playfully elbow him he elbows me we go back and forth and we are play play wrestling and i lift him up and i gently drop him on the couch and we start laughing and i ask him what's his name and he said how and i said well what's your last name he said steinbrenner <laughs> and i'm like oh boy and i'm thinking now you know my, my career as a Yankee bat boy is over. So now let's fast forward 40 years. The Yankees find out that I'm elected to sheriff. And um, I have a picture in my office of me and Hal Steinbrenner 40 years later uh, after any story. And he remembered that incident. Wow. Wow. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to you and, uh, you know, they're proud of what you do, you know, uh, obviously for for the community and for the for the county or whatever. But uh, there's a little there's just a little something special about uh, a guy growing up as a Yankee bat boy. And I don't care if you're a Met fan or a Red Sox fan or whatever. Still, uh, the, the fact that. Uh, you you went from bat boy to sheriff, which is, which is just unbelievable. I I don't know. Is there any? I, have you been contacted by anyone else who started out? I mean, Ray Negron's got an amazing story, and I know he's a friend of yours and a friend of mine. Uh, he's got an amazing story, but t- for different reasons. But do you do you know anyone who started out as a bat boy, and uh, and and went on to uh, to uh, seek elected office and and win? No, that I don't know. The only bat boy I know that made. Any success of himself, um, of, of huge notoriety, was MC Hammer, if you remember that Oh, name. yeah, because he was the, the he, A's. He, right? he, was a, he was a bad boy for the Oakland A's. Yeah, amazing. That's right, MC yeah. Hammer. That, that's right, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he actually, he got funded. He got funded by like a lot of the uh, uh, A's of that time. I don't know if it was Mike Norris or some of the uh, some of the outfielders. I remember it, but I think they funded his first demo, even uh, if if I remember correctly. Do you remember that? Wow. You, you remember hearing? No, that? I, I no, I don't. But I I just heard the story. I don't know how he got to fame, but um, you know, I was very very happy for anyone that can uh, you know make some success of themselves. Yeah, no question about it. Once again, Sheriff Errol Toulon is our very special guest. National Night Out, uh, where you can meet the sheriff and, and uh, ranger, and we'll let you know uh, as, as we get closer to that date who that ranger will be on uh, August 3rd in, uh, just, uh, in Ridge, it is, in Fireman's Park, right? Is it Fireman's Park? Yes, in, Fireman's Park in Ridge. Yeah, in Ridge, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, Supervisor Romaine and Councilwoman Bono will be there, but you'll get to meet the sheriff and, and, and watch a little hockey and play a little hockey. But it's great for the kids and ice cream and so forth. But uh, Sheriff Errol Toulon is one of our 52 players. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, for another minute or two, we have the, the sheriff. Uh, sheriff, what's the, what's the rest of the year look like for you? I know it's a campaign year and it's, and it's different and you, you, know, you get out there and you, you know, you're, you're meeting everyone, which you seem to do anyway. You know, you've been, it, it doesn't seem much different than, uh, than what you've been doing the last three years. I mean, you, you go to every community event that, I, that I've ever heard of and you show up more than any public official that, that I've ever seen. But 
Uh, w- what's the rest of the year you look like for you uh, around the jail? Are there big projects going on? Is it just uh, kind of uh, um, transitioning into and out of the, the pandemic where we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel? Um, what, what's this, uh, the rest of this year look like for you? You know, th- there is uh, that transition now that we're starting to ease in the restrictions because we're opening up our visits. So there's contact visits with our inmates and their families, our loved ones, who are coming to visit them. But, you know, we're, we're trying to focus on different rehabilitative models uh, for the inmates. We're also looking at different programs that we can uh, coordinate and work with our various school districts to try and prevent um, uh, criminogenic behavior or these young kids looking at uh, crime as a way uh, to succeed or make a living. And so between the, the community-related events and also some of the rehabilitation, and then we're hoping just to uh, have a, a couple of projects that I don't want to discuss because I don't want anyone to try and derail me yeah. from uh, succeeding somewhat. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we're on the right track here in Suffolk County. I, I hope that our community and our residents are extremely proud of the men and women that work here because they're doing a fantastic job. They're trying their best, and um, you know I'm hoping that uh, I can continue this work. Oh, listen! Uh, congratulations on all of the success, the awards, the the appearance. I see you on Fox News. Uh, you know, it seems like every day I see. Well, every week I see you on Fox News, and uh, and and you know all the different cable outlets, and hear you here with uh, Tom Shalera once a week. And uh, you, you just you do a great job. Uh, l- let me ask you before I let you go uh, about the pandemic. And, I, you know, here we are talking about sports. You know, they, they say if uh, if you don't hear too much about the umpire, if you don't hear the umpire's name, uh, you could assume they're doing a good job. It's only when they blow a call that you, that you hear their name. But <laughs> we didn't hear much during the pandemic about uh, about cases in, in the jail. So I assume that it was very low. And, uh, you know, even, I don't know if it was Butch Anderson or one of the other sheriffs upstate had said to me, he said, boy, they handled, you know, that Suffolk County, uh, you know, handled uh, the the pandemic extraordinarily well. Uh, what what was the, the pandemic like for you guys? You, uh, you, you got to be proud of your staff over there. Extremely. You know, when I was a deputy commissioner, I had to deal with the Ebola virus in the jail. And I had some high level meetings with our health department and they had stressed how important or how quickly a virus can move through the jail. So when we first learned about the coronavirus, by the, by late February, we had actually started planning uh, if the virus was to spread, whereas by the second week in March, we actually closed everything down. We uh, spaced out our inmates. We provided extra sanitation supplies for them. We um, mandated our staff have temperature checks walking into the jail. They had to wear masks. And I was very proud to say that from March, when the virus first hit, because March 1st was the first case in New York State, March 8th was the first case in Suffolk County, that from March until December, we only had three inmates that tested positive. Now, we got hit with that second wave by the end of December, where we had a lot of lot more cases, but we were able to mitigate them so that it was reduced in January and February. So, you know, to say the first nine months of the year to only have three cases in a jail where other jails throughout jails and prisons throughout the country were really suffering, I was extremely proud of. Sheriff Errol Toulon, congratulations once again on a on a great term, and we look forward to seeing you for for many others, and uh, and and the sky's the limit for you. Congrats, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much, Frank. Award-winning sheriff. 
uh, of Suffolk County, and he's been recognized nationally. And again, you see him all over, you know, Fox News and all the, the other cable outlets. And uh, and you know, they when they look for an expert, uh, it's uh, it's it's not hard to find one uh, when when you look here in Suffolk County. Uh, he's been an absolute great um, addition to uh, to government. And if you hear his story, he's a two-time cancer survivor. He has been through more, uh, you know, turmoil and, and uh, you know, uninvited turmoil uh, in, in his life than, um, than, than most people would ever want uh, to wish on their worst enemies. But uh, he, he lands on his feet every, every single time. And uh, the, the story about looking at a, a help wanted sign in, in a, a Wendy's right prior to being asked to run for sheriff, uh, I think, 57 days prior to the election, which, by the way, 57 days prior to an election in, in Suffolk County with, you know, 1.3 million people in it. Can you imagine just, hey, hey you want to run for sheriff? It's like, uh, all right, you know, and uh, and, and he, he did it like a champ and, and he came out and he, he won a very, uh, you know, very tough election and, and he's just done an absolute great job. Sheriff Errol Toulon has been our fair, uh, very special guest on 52 players uh yankee bat boy former yankee bat boy errol toulon uh you know once again we'll have him again before the end of the year but um get out to national night out august 3rd everyone and you'll get to meet a ranger and get to meet you know some wonderful law enforcement folks bring the kids out ice cream and everything uh will be there it's a great night out sheriff errol toulon has been our very special guest we'll see you next time on 52 players 